When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, everybody. This is a bonus episode of Horror Movie Night, and I am doing a quick interview uh, with L. Callahan, who has a new movie out called Headcount, correct? Uh, now, before you got into directing and doing Headcount, I saw that you actually did a lot of special effects work uh, in the past for stuff like Wonder Woman and Ant-Man. And what was the transition like coming from that into horror? Um, so I, yes, yeah, so I worked in post-production for a while. I did, um, you know, VFX and editorial and really specialized in sound design. So when it came time for me to direct my first film, um, sound is the biggest, um, it was kind of the most experience I had. Um, I, I felt very comfortable directing a horror film because sound is so important to the genre. Um, I don't know about you, but when I get too scared watching a movie, I'll usually mute it. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the, the, you know, the scares depend on, on sound, so I, I felt pretty comfortable um, directing my first film um, within that world. And what drew you to the horror genre specifically? Have you always been a horror fan, or um, I I love folklore and I love you know mythology and, and and legends and things like that, and those kind of tied more naturally into horror films. Um, I I like creatures and things like that, and just kind of spooky stuff. I grew up on the East Coast in a very old house that I was convinced was haunted. So I just it kind of just naturally tied itself into my storytelling and the and the stories that I wanted to to share with the world. So that's why I kind of gravitated towards towards that. I also just love watching people get scared. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned like growing up on the East Coast and and feeling like the house you lived in was haunted, because I also grew up on the East Coast. I feel like the East Coast is just filled with, like, so much haunted lore on that coast, and I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's got a lot of history there. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, I have my aunt I grew up up in very old, and um, I I had many weird occurrences in it, um, and I, I love telling people about those happenings, and so I was like, you know, I want to make films that are kind of similar to that. But, yeah, I think it's just, like, everything out there is a lot older, so there's more history and more, you know, opportunities for ghosts to arise. <laughs> exactly. It's all those pilgrims and Quakers. Um, <laughs> so what brought you to the project Headcount? Um, well, I have been working for filmmakers for a long time, and I kind of got a little... I wanted to be a filmmaker and tell my own stories. And um, my, the writer, Michael Nader, and I, um, and our friends went on to Joshua Tree a couple of years ago. And um, I found, being from the East Coast, I had never been to Joshua Tree before. And I found the landscape to be very creepy and alien-like and uh, isolating. And, um, you know, we thought, what a great, you know, location to set a horror film. And so we kind of took our experience that weekend with our friends, um, and just I just dropped a monster in there and wrote a story about that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's kind of the best way to do it, though. You know, like a lot of the the times that I've ever tried to write anything, it's always it always starts with a very real experience that I had, and then. You know, I, I always used to say when I was writing a lot of, like, dramas and comedies that I, I'm really just rewriting my life where I'm a lot cooler and wittier and, and you know, things play out the way I hope they did instead of how they actually did. Yeah, I mean, you always want to have, like, a, a personal connection to the stories that you're telling. Um, and it's kind of strange because for me, I felt more connected to the monster. The monster, I... <laughs> I I love dearly. It's like my firstborn, and I. Um, so it was kind of strange because um, you think that I feel more connected to the the characters um, themselves than they were basically based on us. But I was uh, I felt more invested in, in my creature that I created, and I think it's because it was something original and that came from my brain, and I kind of brought it to life in that respect. Um, yeah. Did you grow up as a monster fan? Were you someone who was always into monster movies, or did this kind of shock you how much you had an attachment to the monster? It kind of shocks me how much I had an attachment <laughs> to, uh, to her. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I monster movies always really scared me when I was when I was younger, and and maybe that's why my first film revolved around that is because they really struck a chord with me in terms of fear, and I wanted to pass that along. Um, and, uh, I also just think that they're really fun. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that there's yeah. got to be an element of catharsis to, like, tackling the thing that used to scare you as a kid and having control over it, you know? Yeah. You know, you can bring kind of your, your memories of fear and, like, uh, kind of, like, take them back in a way. <laughs> um, and then, uh, impose them on others. <laughs> Now, when you were, you know, figuring out how you wanted to do this movie, I know a lot of times you'll hear about directors or, or writers who will tell their actors to watch specific movies to kind of get the vibe of what you're trying to capture. Was there any movies that you 
handed off to your actors and said, watch this, this is kind of what we're trying to create, or... <laughs> well, I had my, ca- uh, my crew watch a lot of movies, but in terms of my cast, I, told them, I didn't tell them really anything to watch because I wanted them to act as realistic as possible, and a lot of the horror movies that I stylistically like have kind of strange styles of acting. I wanted it to be, like, believable. Like, uh, the character of Max throughout the whole movie is just kind of like, guys, like, there's nothing wrong. I'm just trying to have a good time on vacation. Um, and I, I just wanted it to seem as, as natural as possible. So I just kind of had them go in there and be like, you, know, you guys are all friends. I had them focus on their relationships with each other rather than the movie that they were in. No, that makes sense. What, what films did you have the crew watch? I'm curious. Um, I had them watch It Follows. And uh, the witch, the uh, the thing, and um, you know, I also said you know, like watch any any Hitchcock movie because I love all his movies and his camera <laughs> movements, and I'll probably try to do things like he does. Um, <laughs> you know, it follows in the witch are very atmospheric films um, that they have like a creep rather than like a scare, and that's what I kind of wanted to get them into the headspace of creating. Yeah, I think that, that I think that that makes sense. As you named all those, I was like that. Yeah, all those absolutely make sense with the premise of headcount, uh, especially the thing. I was curious if that was going to be one of the ones you mentioned. Um, where? Yeah, yeah, the original one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, where will people be able to see this? What's the What's the actual release plan? Is this getting a, a small theatric release, or is it going to be streaming somewhere? Um. So we're getting a small theatrical release and then it'll go to iTunes um, and then um, I think eventually it's coming to Netflix in, in the fall, I believe. Oh, that's perfect. Get in there just in time for when people are using Netflix for their Halloween month. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my favorite time of year. <laughs> I, I think. I, yeah. I think even people who hate horror movies have like a secret love of like Halloween and just putting on horror movies. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think it's, it's very. It's, you know, it's nostalgic. It's associated with um, you know your childhood and growing up and dressing up and kind of you know being the monsters. And I, I think uh, you know that time for me, especially growing up in New England with the change in seasons, it's like there's sometimes just like that temperature and that snow of like autumn just makes me like automatically want to watch a horror movie. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's funny It's funny because for me, since I watch so much for the podcast, Halloween for me is my time to like go back to what my grandfather used to show me. So it's all like the black and white universal movies for the month. It's like a nice, relaxing mm-hmm. not as... Mm-hmm disgusting time for me to watch horror films yeah (laughs) yeah so where is the best spot right now for people who are listening to keep in keep up to date with what's happening with not just headcount but with you what the following projects will be um i mean i'm pretty active on instagram as any millennial is (laughs) um but um and my my name is L. Callahan, E-L-L-E-C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N. Um, and I, I'm shooting my next film in a week, and I'm pretty active on Instagram in terms of, you know, sharing production photos and stuff like that. Because um, I think, you know, it's important to kind of show the actual process of making the film, because that's really fun. Um, and I'm hoping to inspire more, you know, like, um, young women to get behind the camera 
and uh, tell stories of their own. So, yeah, you can follow me there and have a new movie coming very, very soon. <laughs> are, you, are you doing um, another yeah. horror, or is it a different genre this time? It is... I don't know if I'd call it a horror film, but it is a, a scary genre film. Okay. Um, it's not, like, straight horror. It's more, like, kind of social commentary horror, I guess. I I mean, it is a perfect time for there to be more social commentary horror right now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, yeah. So, keep up with my, my shenanigans there. I'm going to be doing some cool stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elle, for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 